Ready or not. Welcome to episode 20 of the British Ultra Running Podcast with your co-hosts, Dan Lawson. And your host, James Elson. Yeah, I'm here. It's it's Thursday the 7th of February, 2019. Yes, well into 2019. The racing year is well underway, isn't it? It is, Dan. Tell us about your racing year so far. We've heard all about Country's Capital. What came next? Came next up was the Arc of Nutrition, yeah? What a great race, yeah? What a great weekend. Where do we start, fun. eh? Yeah, where do we start? You had a bit of trouble getting down there, didn't you? Had a bit of trouble getting down there. It snowed a bit. We were unable to complete our journey. Uh, we DNF'd at Taunton and spent the night in a travel lodge and then arrived <laughs> on Friday. And then um, we saw the 100 milers start their journey, then went back to the hotel and then you joined us, didn't you? Where did I join you? Yeah, yeah, I came, I came to the hotel and it was, it was a great weekend. I, I had a really, I had a great time, yeah. It's, uh, how many years has is it, is it been running now? It hasn't been going that long. Yeah? Five years? Um, five, six, five? No, it hasn't been. I thought the first one was like three years ago. I don't know. I'm sure the first one was when all four of the, those uh, the lads finished together. Okay. I'm sure that was the first one, and I that don't was know if that Duncan was... finished first in one before that. I can't remember. Anyway, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So it was snowy the day before, and that screwed a load of the hundred milers up, right? Because some of them spent the night on the A30, got very little sleep, and then they had to start Friday lunchtime, and then we set off in the in the in the half from. The Minac Theatre on Saturday oh. morning. How cool was that? Yeah, what a place to start a race, isn't Describe it? Describe it. Describe it. It was like, okay, I've never, I've never watched the Game of Thrones, but I was told by my daughter that it looked like the Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, when I came back, it's like this, the the coastline's so dramatic, anyway, isn't it, of, of Cornwall, and then. And then right sitting on the edge of a cliff with like the sea, like the waves like crashing down below and like the the, the, the cliffs sort of disappearing into the horizon in the distance. It's, it's, it's like they it's like this theatre like carved out of the cliffs. It's like it's been there for for thousands of years and yeah, what an what an amazing place. It's yeah. like it's been there yeah. for thousands of years. So you said to them, didn't you? What when was this built? And they went, nineteen eighty six. Yeah, <laughs> with national lottery money on that. Yeah, it was yeah. amazing and very steep because, um, well, there was some music and some slightly uh, risque dancing by the organiser, Andrew Ferguson, yeah. and yourself. And then yeah. we set off by running shouldn't, up the staircase. Shouldn't every ultra have the organiser doing some risque <laughs> dancing at the start? I think it should be like a compulsory thing. Huh? He looked like such a bellend. I put a video of it on <laughs> Facebook. Anyway, uh, then we started by running up what it can only be described as an extremely steep staircase through a load of sulphur smoke that came oh, off the yeah. flares they were letting off. It yeah. was really quite unpleasant. I, don't, uh, I think the flares had been bought in some uh, some cheap, uh, yeah, one of those shops good. on the side of the motorway, yeah. They hadn't passed, <laughs> hadn't passed the EU regulations, had they? No <laughs> way. Yeah. No way. A little bit toxic. So with lungfuls uh, of poisonous industrial gas, we set off on the ghost path. And um, 
it ebbed and flowed a bit, didn't it? It was a bit rhythm breaking. We weren't very good at knowing where we were going. Yeah. And occasionally we'd we'd be leading and then five minutes later we'd be ten places back where we'd gone a bit mm-hmm. wrong and maybe other people had a bit of more of an optimal line. Um, yeah. But that's the race, no? That is the race, isn't it? Yeah. I yeah. Think. It is. Once you once you once that's happened to you a few times and you've made a mistake and then two minutes later down the road the people in front of you have then made an, a mistake different to yours and you just realise that that's yeah that that's part of that race yeah I can't I kind of I got into it in the end yeah I quite yeah. liked it yeah. yeah and then yeah so we went through Lands End about five miles in and then another five miles to Cape Cornwall um, and we sort of you pushed on a little bit ahead by then. Um, Having promised to stay with me. <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> that we, we need to set this straight now. Yeah, I, we did run together, didn't we? For the majority. <laughs> for the majority of Hang the on. race. Hang on. <laughs> we ran together. <laughs> we ran together. It Right. What happened was, if there was a hill, Dan ran off. And then he waited at the top. <laughs> He's turned around and shouted, come on, mate. And I'd sort of catch up. And then we'd go downhill and I'd make a load of time up. And then he'd catch me up and go... Cool, you're quite good at going down here, aren't you? And then <laughs> disappear again. And it was like playing cat and mouse. But then we got yeah. into a bit of a rhythm after about 13 miles, didn't we, on the rougher section between Pending uh-huh. Watch Lighthouse and St. Ives. It is it is tough going, that section, isn't it? I don't know. It was, again, for me, it was one of those races. You know, I think we talked about it before. Like, people build races, or they build sections of races up. And they build them up so much that when you actually run it, it really doesn't seem that bad. Everyone had told me that, that there was one section, and I think it was it was that bit you were talking about, wasn't yeah. it? Before you got into St. Ives. Yeah. Was was completely unrunnable, was massive stones everywhere, was really slippy, was it would be a nightmare, like prepare yourself for it. And and they kind of overplay it a little bit. So when you get to it, it was kind of like, well, you know, is you in your mind like you're like, is this really? Is this it? Do you know what I mean? And uh, it's like that hill in Spartathlon that everyone builds <laughs> up like it's like you're going over Everest, and you get to the top, and you're like, what is that? It? <laughs> it's about fifteen minute but, walk. Yeah. yeah. Um, so for me, it was a little bit. I really enjoyed that bit. I quite liked that bit. It was. It was. I said to you at the time, it was. I don't run. I don't run enough. I mean, you wouldn't even. I don't, I don't know what technical trail is. I don't know. Would you call that technical trail? It was more like a slippy. Well, I don't know. It was just different trail. Then I think I'm it's, awkward. it's awkward. It's awkward. Awkward trail. Yeah, yeah, you've got descents and, and inclines that are always short, but can be quite steep. And there's quite a lot of mud, some, you know, boggy sections and some rocks. And it's not, yeah. none of it's that difficult, but it is just a bit awkward. You've got a you know, manager effort evenly across that is difficult, isn't it? Uh huh. Yeah, then, but it was it was fun for me. It felt like it felt more like play, you know, like jumping from rock to rock and kind of running on like the like the edges of the the rocks. And it was yeah, it was. I enjoyed that bit. Really enjoyed that bit. That it, that bit of awkward trail, rather awkward. than. Rather than technical, technical or gnarly. I don't like the word technical. I don't really know what it means. I don't no. think it's really a very good description of anything. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, and then, so we were still together, and then about 25-ish miles in, the cord snapped. 
and Dan forged on a bit further than was probably make up a ball on a descent, which was the only chance I ever had of making any time back. Yeah, you're good at those descents. I think we need to say that, yeah. It's it was a, a real pleasure. I can't do the rest of it. It was a real pleasure <laughs> watching you kind of glide, literally glide down the, down those descents, yeah. It was, uh, it was, yeah. If it, it was a downhill was, race, I'd probably be all right. But unfortunately, it's it's not. So um, you're after that after that race because I know because uh, that my quads take a battering on a race on a race like that because I'm just not used to going downhill. I think. So after that race, how are your quads? Are they kind of they're all right? Yeah, because yeah, quad, it, you've got that nice style going downhill. Quads are quads are normally fine, and the reason is the faster you run, the smoother you run downhill. The less braking you're doing, so the less mm-hmm. load you're putting through your quads, right? So yeah, I, I do believe that if you can sort of run fluidly and quickly and efficiently that you know you save your legs a great deal running oh. fast downhill isn't a problem as long as you you don't um you know overload your system but you can end up working harder on descents like that than on climbs if you're not careful um yeah so it's just it's my it? it's my quotes i went i went for a run um i took i actually had a day off on monday i went for a run on tuesday just like a normal run on tuesday <laughs> i felt all right until i um, I was running on the roads and I got to like a junction and I had to stop and like decelerating <laughs> to stop just absolutely <laughs> killed me because my <laughs> I just smashed my quads too much from all that braking. So when even when I was braking on just like flat ground, oh man, it's almost like I couldn't stop. It was like I was driving a car without brakes. I was just having to go across all of the <laughs> just got blind across all the roads. That's interesting. Yeah. You'll you'll be stronger from that though. You know already your quads would have come back uh-huh. from that and be. Anyway, you ran off ahead into Saint Ives checkpoint, which is the only checkpoint in the fifty, right? Um, yeah. But we were lucky enough to have the help of Drew Sheffield, who was crewing both of us. Um, yeah, he was amazing, really. Very crew, good. Absolutely yeah. brilliant crew. Um, yeah, and um, I was told, oh, Dan's only three minutes ahead. You know, chase him, chase him. And I was thinking, I feel all right here. I'll, I'll open it up a bit and see what happens. We quit, quite quickly passed the guy who was in second place. Yeah, and we must, we're must. we running in second, yeah, second and third now, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. And there's um, some guy, Neil Neil, Mar- Neil Martin, I think his name was. Yeah. Um, He's miles out. Oh, no, he was miles, miles ahead, out. Front, you know, and yeah. he ran such a great race and he was yeah. miles ahead at the end. So yeah. it became a bit of a. You know, you'd come in and Drew would say, oh, James is only a few minutes back and um, you just leg it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I kept coming in expecting Drew to go, he's just waiting for you around the corner because you're going to run together. But no, yeah. every time I saw someone, it's like, Dan's only three minutes ahead of you, chase him. Apart from <laughs> one lad who is like, oh, yeah, hello, mate. Yeah, Dan's about 15 minutes ahead of you. And I was like, <laughs> oh, Jesus, I've lost like 10 minutes. Oh, I, 10 don't, minutes. I think you were just, you were just, um, just that little bit too far behind. Yeah. I never every saw time, you, every really. Time, every time I came to Drew... I was like, I was like, how's James? Yeah, James is doing well. He's not far behind. And every time I said to him, I said to Drew, I was like, well, shall I wait here for him? And Drew was like, no, no, no go on. He'll, he'll catch you up. Go on, go on. And then, so after I saw Drew, I'd always take it a little bit easy and look behind for you. But because I never saw you until that last bit, then, um, then I'd just carry on going. If I'd seen you, then we would probably would have uh, 
run together. It was only on that like, second to last hill that we saw each other, wasn't well, it? So, yeah, two miles to go. There's a really steep <laughs> staircase up down to this little ravine and then a steep climb the other side. So I reached the top of this descent and there's Dan on the stairs the other side. So I'm shouting, Dan! Dad <laughs> turns around and waves and then just sprints <laughs> off. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, we're going to finish together. That's really nice. But no, he's, and now I'm chasing and I'm chasing for all I'm worth. Yeah. I, saw, I, I, I think I'd, I'd ate a half a caffeine chew about 10 minutes before. Yeah. And I was, uh, I was in that mindset and I saw you. And I, yeah. thought, I thought, oh, if he's going to catch me, I'm going to have to make him work for it. And then, and then as well, I was thinking about the poor race organisers. It's a nightmare, isn't it, when people cross over the line together? It, it's rubbish when people finish together. I've been guilty of it a couple of times, but nothing recently, I don't think. that apart, man, Well, the last race I did, I finished with Craig, but we weren't really racing. This time, I think it was, it was good fun. It was actually a bit of a race. Um, yeah. Cro- props to Neil Martin. He won in just under nine hours, and he was about 20 minutes ahead of us at the end, so it wasn't even yeah. close. And he, and he yeah. increased his lead. Uh, he ran an exceptional race, he? Really he was did. so strong. I mean, I, we didn't see him. We only saw him, admittedly, for like, I don't know, we were running with him for probably about the first, what, couple of hours? Not even that, yeah, mm. an hour and a half. Mm. And he was super strong up the hills, and... And I, I think in that last bit, it, we were. I felt like I was moving. Yeah, I was moving pretty well. We were moving. We weren't. We weren't holding back, were we? In those last, no. you know what I mean, few miles. I and, don't know if it's just me, just perception. Even, I felt like we lost loads of time to him and the other chap who was out ahead of us uh, in the middle section. After about mile ten, we just seemed to mess around a bit. We went off yeah. course a couple of times, and we ended up in that field and didn't know how to get out of it. Um, yeah. and probably weren't that pushing cream, as hard as we could That cream tea you stopped for took for, forever as yeah, well. Yeah, that scone is just so solid, <laughs> I just couldn't eat it. Um, <laughs> what a great day, though. And then um, we were passing the 100 milers towards the end, weren't we? The ones who have yeah. been out there for 30-plus hours, and we've been out there for nine um, or less. And bless them, they were in that death march mode of, you know, gritted teeth, I'm going to finish at all costs. And I think it was about a 45% finish rate in the 100. Winner, winner, chicken dinner, uh, Kim Collinson. He came down from the lakes and showed us what a class act he is, unsurprisingly. He had his map in his hand from the start and uh, navigated his way, having never seen any of it before, to a course record in the men's race. And then the women's race was won by Laura Swanton, who's local and won our Centurion Grand Slam last year. She had another superb race. Yeah. So, Kim is our guest today. We'll get he to is. him in a minute. So after aftermath of the Arc Fifty, what's the uh, what's the lowdown? How are you feeling? Oh, the aftermath. Yeah, I I loved it. Yeah, I just want to race more. I love that. I just love being out and like with the community, you know, and and me. I just love it. I like racing. So mate. So actually, I spoke to Fergie, who, who puts on, I mean, it, is, it must be the, uh, the British, the premier winter ultra, no, in, in, in Britain. The, yeah, the I arc think that and it's fine. Yeah. And, and it is a bit of a contradiction because I think they really like the fact that it's tough and they quite like the fact that only, what do you say, 45% of the people finished. Yeah? Something like that, yeah. But it's funny that they're quite, they quite like that, but then when you're actually on the race and you're running it they're so I mean 
the, the amount of volunteers they have and the, and, the, and the staff out there, like, helping you and, like, helping you to get to the finish. And, I mean, we saw, we went to the one of the checkpoints for the 100 miler, didn't we? And it mm. was just, it was crazy, the amount of people that were around and the 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 archangels as they call them kind of mm. waiting in the freezing cold weren't they and and they they when we came into St Ives I don't know my same thing must have happened to you it's almost like they almost have like you you meet one of the um the archangels in their like high vis and they they it's almost like a relay they run with you for like 100 meters and then someone else takes over yeah. and then someone else runs with you and someone yeah. it was just it was brilliant, yeah. I felt slightly um, guilty running up to the St. Ives checkpoint and then... Yeah, and then Ferg turning around and straight away. Are, are you coming in? Are you coming in? No. no okay, no, bye. I'm shooting off. <laughs> There's like 40 exactly people do, standing there. Yeah. But they were looking after the 100, run, 100 miles. Yeah, it, was really pretty, it seemed pretty busy when I got into that uh, that checkpoint, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I've I agreed with Fergie because I do like I do like Cornwall as well. That I'll go back to the, to the rat... Uh, event and I said to him I'd run the, or walk or that that ridiculous 24 hour he's putting on on the uh, on those steps the the last three and a half kilometers or something of the of the plague race so I'll go back to Cornwall and run that. Yeah. That sounds horrendous. What are you doing? Huh? Time on feet. <laughs> Time on feet, mate. And, <laughs> and then there's a multitude of other races. You've had an exciting week, haven't you? We're at Centurion, no? Yeah, we just launched like two it's, events it's, you've, today. You've, yeah. sent, you've set social media on fire. Fire! Yeah. Yeah, we launched a... Um, we launched a 100-mile version of Wendover Woods 50 today um, just because everyone was saying, oh, you've got to do 100, you've got to do 100. And I was like, no, no. I didn't want it to be on the same day as the 50 because I didn't want anything to take away from uh -huh. the focus of what is a classic race in the <coughs> end of the Grand Slam. Um, so we found a different event, a, a date with the Forestry Commission. We're going for 10, 10-mile 10 loops there. And, and then, so what does, that, what does that work out over the 100 miles? What's the... the the elevation 6,000 meters 20,000 feet it's a lot it's a lot yeah. it's not quite as much as say Lakeland but it's quite a bit more than the arc um, yeah and any 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 uh anyone entered yet is this the first no, it's day not open. No? it's not open it doesn't open for oh, two, open. two three weeks yet 23rd of February it opens and I was talking we... to Charlotte I've got a free weekend that weekend Ooh. I was even thinking about it uh... What, is running the race or coming? Yeah, around? running the race, yeah. Well, that would be special. It's a wonderful loop. I know some people who've not been to Wendover be like 10, 10 mile laps of the same trail. But it, it isn't that straightforward. It's such a varied loop. It never feels the same. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, the other race we're putting on is very different to the usual mould, and that is um, a 100 mile track event. I'd, the idea being to create real classic racing conditions, you know, harking back to the 70s and 80s when all of the British records were set. To the uh, good old days. Yeah. yeah, and have a really yeah. small field and have a really um, high caliber field racing each other for, um, you know, top honours and for, and for records, hopefully. Um, and we compiled. Can you, can you make sure that there's a whole 1980s field and we almost have, or you almost have like a, <laughs> uh, a short uh, minimum? No, would it be a maximum? Three and short, short max. Yeah. 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 
anything else in there just now. That should be in the, uh, club in the rules. Club yeah, vest, club three-inch shorts and green flash. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, we, yeah, we compiled for the first time with the help of Andy Milroy and Adrian Stott a list of the all-time 100-mile times from British runners, sub-15 hours for men and sub-17 for women. So we've now got the probably the most thorough list ever created of, of those times. Um, and so I'm hoping that that gives people extra you know, impetus to go, not necessarily for records that might be out of reach, some of them, but, um, you know, to, to put themselves on those lists and try and, you know, really, you know, get it going. We've already had three people sign up today, all of which are from our team. I must admit that one or two of them had expressed an interest in advance. Um, so who's your three? Well, you Robbie Britton, Debs Martin, Kinsani and Kat Simpson. Um, so if we get those ultra, guys, I know you're speaking royalty, isn't royalty. It? Yeah. and you're speaking so to some internationals, aren't you? I've just been trying to yeah, entice a few internationals. I think it. I just think it could be in a. It could be an amazing event. Yeah, something that real special. You know, if you're not running it, something real special to come and uh, to come and watch, to come and to come and see. I just think it'd be amazing. Apart from, I just read someone. I can't remember whose comment it was on your Facebook. Someone just wrote, "What they want." Can't think of anything more boring. <laughs> <laughs> I did see that. I, I realised that track racing and twenty-four hour events are not going to be everyone's cup of tea. Um, yeah, this, yeah, this is exciting. Yeah, and we, we were just talking about this, and I, I think I really, I really think you should race it, James. I think it's uh, so in, in that top in that list. How many times do you um, do you feature in that list? What is it? The top. How many? Do sub, we 15, go back to? sub 15. So it's been about oh, 67, 68, I think, sub 15 hour, 100 milers run um, by British runners. And it's a bit loose because we're including trail times. Uh, and Andy Milroy was sort of like, and he's he's the guru. <coughs> he said, you shouldn't do that. You can't really include trail because they're not measured the same way. They're not accurate. But I think I've included them because I think most courses make an honest effort to get close. Um, and secondly, the the difficulty of a trail race over a track or a road race is arbitrarily slightly greater anyway, I think, than the others. And therefore, yeah. I mean, it's tenuous. But I definitely think it was worth, I, I feel it's worth including them. Oh, most definitely. Because um, And how many 100-mile road races are there? There's not that many, is there? Hundred no, mile road hardly, races. So then you're relying on splits for races that are, that are well over a hundred miles. So they're they're kind of they're not real those splits. You know what I mean, people are people are carrying on and they're they're racing another what sixty miles or so in that race. Well, this is so, it. Half the entries on there are twenty four hour splits. Um, yeah, especially for the last five or ten years, you know, from our team. Um, I think the trail races are a truer reflection of what. Uh, yeah. Anyway, how many times are you on there? Three, four? Um, I've got four sub-15s. You've got Man. three. You must have more than that. But we, from what we actually have records for, we've got three for you. Um, we're still missing the Belfast splits, and I think we're missing the Turin splits. So I would think you'll probably be on at least five. And I think mm. the only person who's got five is Mike Newton, I think his name was, uh, from yesteryear anyway. But the British record, 11.30, I mean... It is Don, Don Ritchie? It is, yeah, the men's record. And the women's record, I think, is within reach for quite a few 
of our current crop because Tracy Dean was only two or three minutes outside of it mm-hmm. last year. Yeah. Eleanor um, Robinson's got 14.39, I think. She heads the British female uh-huh. all the time. And I think Tracy was 14.42 last year. So it's a real opportunity um, for someone to come and do something really special, albeit it is only seven weeks before the World 24s next year, this year, and three, four weeks before Spartathlon. So we will lose some of the um, better um, crop of athletes. But I, I want to see people like Steve Way and Anthony <coughs> yeah. Clark come down and move up from 100K and see what these really fast marathoners, you know, 100K Indeed. runners can do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you can you're gonna run it, yeah? No, you keep saying I should run it. I, I haven't. Um, I I have. I'll be honest. It has crossed my mind, but um, I also want it to be a really great race, and it's the first time we've organised it. I'm hoping people will come down and watch. You know, things have still got to work well on the day, so um, we'll see. I am. I, I would love to. You know, as a fan of the sport, though, I also want to see people racing without being on the trap myself we'll see anyway right yes so it's eight o'clock we said to kim we get him on should we dial yes him in? let's dial him in without further ado here is kim collinson welcome to episode 20 of the british ultra running podcast kim collinson hi guys how's it going yeah hey kim collinson Feeling 10 out of 10 tonight, Kim. How are you just five days after destroying the Arc of Attrition world record? Uh, still feeling a little bit fatigued and tired, but I've just been for a nice little massage with Jim Davies just to loosen the legs up. feel like I could go for uh, another 50 miles uh, in about two months' time. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so, Kim, Kim, have you run... Because people were asking us that question, like... Have you have you run since, or are you have you taken a few days off, or how how does it look for you recovery after a after a hundred miler? Uh, no, I have not run at all since the race. Um, just been enjoying not having to run for a week, um, uh-huh. trying to catch up with sleep, um, eat lots of food. Um, that's that's what I've been doing. Okay, so when's your, when's your first run then? Is it is it just when you start to feel like you're ready to go, or do you plan um, to go after a certain amount of days? No, I'll probably uh, go out running tomorrow. I'm out with a couple of kids, a coach. Um, I'll probably, as it's going to be pretty windy tomorrow, stay quite low um, and do some skills with them. Yeah, some skills, some running skills. Running skills, yes. Yeah. Kim, is that what, what work is, for you? Is that is that the job these days? What is um, yeah? What's the line of work? Uh, I'm part part time coach, um, and and also part time landscaper. So a bit of a mix yeah. of some physical labouring and and then also the uh, coaching line as well. Nice. So you've got... You've, James, James, you've done a bit of landscaping, haven't you, James? No? I regularly do landscaping. I could do with a hand, actually, with some landscaping. And we're just around the corner from you, about four hours and 20 minutes drive away. Um, you're based at the bottom of Fell in the lakes, right? In Mungrisdale. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. So it's not far to go up to Sutafell and then on to Blencapra and then back home over Boscale. Um, all in a nice evening's run or a morning if I'm feeling really keen. That is the dream. Although I have to tell you, Kim, we call 
Um, Mungersdale Common, the Wainwright, we call it Mungbog because it's probably the most unpleasant felon <laughs> district, in my opinion. This rough, grass-covered top that's always ankle-deep in moisture. Um, does anyone ever go to the top of it, though? It's always <laughs> bypassed, isn't it, on the way to the top of Blencathra. It's no one not even a thing, it. is it? It's such a weird place. Anyway, um, yeah, so, I mean, one th- before we get to the actual race, I follow you on Strava, and I was really impressed with the banker training you put together for this. It seemed focused, structured, <laughs> consistent, lots of volume. Did you go into this fully focused on it as an A race, and did the training go to plan? Uh, yes, I was focused on uh, the GOAT to December, the Chivet GOAT on December 1st. Um, I had a couple of goals in mind for that date. Um, one was trying to go for a, a Bob Graham time, um, but the weather wasn't ideal, so I switched to doing the, the GOAT. Um, so I knew that from that race that I was in pretty good form. Um, and I knew that I had this race as my sort of race in the February. So I knew that I needed that couple of months um, gap to get a good recovery and then a nice block in over Christmas. Um, so I could really come into this tapered and ready, ready to run 100 miles. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. But you hadn't been on the course before, right? You'd done some coast path stuff, but not down on the actual route. No, I'd, I'd been over on Northumberland and Norfolk over the Christmas time and visiting different people and uh, bits of coastline and actually doing some coastal running. And nothing quite like the um, southwest coastal path or Pembrokeshire sort of area where there's a lot more ups and downs and rockier terrain. Um, but living in the lakes, I know how to deal with rocky terrain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how, how, do you find, how do you find that path? Kim, compared to the lakes is it is it i mean i don't i don't think i've ever run in the lakes i think i walked somewhere when i was like 12 years old in the lakes so i've never run there so how do you find the coast path in in uh cornwall is it is it easier is it uh i mean is it different in any way or well you can find sections of path just like the cornish coastal path in the lake district um as well as the bog trotting across the fell or the grassy slopes, it has a huge variety of, of train and tracks and trails. So at times, yeah. the Cornish coastal path, there was no consistent running in the sense that you've, you've got to slow your pace and boulder hop and then try and pick your way and then, then up the tempo again and then stop and, and it's constant changing. Uh-huh. Um, but then there's some very good running sections. Um, there's that 10 mile road round Penzance. Um, <laughs> that you and loved, some, I'm sure. Uh, which, which, which is probably the, my lowest point. Um, <laughs> yeah. But. There's a, there's, I don't know what section that, um, there's a video of the, of the race, isn't there? And there's one section where the chaps with the video is following you and you're absolutely smashing it on that. On that bit, I don't know where that was, but you're running really. It's, it looks wonderful, man. How you're running on that bit there? Yeah. Yeah, he made me look really quick, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I was watching it with Charlotte, my missus, and I was going, "Jesus, look, Kim is flying," and she was like, "Yeah, but it's just 
As soon as the camera comes on, that's what everyone does, Just isn't start it? Walking again. <laughs> it was it was that little bit of competitive nature that some <laughs> one someone carrying a big camera was not going to keep up with me. I did <laughs> put a little bit of extra spurt on just to just to see how how good he was. They're, they're amazing those camera guys sometimes, though, aren't they? I, I ran. I remember running in China and I was going downhill. And there was one of those camera guys and he was filming me and he was going backwards downhill. And it was, as James has got, it was, it was technical drill. And I was, I was trying to drop him and I couldn't, I couldn't go faster than him. And he was going backwards. It was just, it was um, ridiculous. <laughs> so Kim, yeah. what, the challenge of the, the, what are the main challenges of the arc to people looking on? Because the things that struck us were, A, you had a, a, a physical map in your hand from the start. And from a navigation perspective, it's actually not a very easy prospect because the paths are often diverge and remerge. And they're not very far apart. They're not a discernible distance apart on a map, for example. So you're always guessing the route. You've obviously carrying a good amount of stuff on your back as well, you know, enough to be self-sufficient. And there's only three or four checkpoints, right? So... You know, the weight on your back, the challenge of navigation in such a long period of darkness seemed to be the major barriers to the race. Was that as you expected and were they the major challenges or are there things that you think make it difficult and tough that, you know, aren't so obvious? Um, darkness is definitely the key in terms of you only got a few hours during the first afternoon to run during the daylight and then it night does descend um and it's as you say it's not easy picking your route um as the paths do splits come back together um on your map it's very difficult to in the darkness to pick the right way you are reliant quite a lot on the little acorns and and they're very easy to miss um, yeah so there's about there's about three of them across the whole of the 50 <laughs> miles so i don't know how many you <laughs> the same the same three Dan yeah <laughs> they were amazingly infrequent obviously half yeah. of the races we organised are on national trails and if you come to a junction and can't see an acorn it's rare whereas on the coast path that it just didn't seem to be many finger posts did there not, not many there's a few quite a few intersections without any posts and you like have to guess that it's the straight ahead or the most most walked path um, I do remember trying to follow a path and ending up on a cliff at one point and then having to go <laughs> quite right, turning around and eventually finding the right way back. Um, I'd end up on Port Cruno Beach um, looking for the surf, uh, but then I had to come back up, found the steps up to the Minnick Theatre. Um, some of the other challenges uh, other than navigation night is obviously the time of year. Uh, I thought the weather was reasonably okay considering the snowstorm that had descended on the country uh, on Thursday and gave a lot of people sleep deprivation when they were stuck on the A30 for 15 hours. Um, Sorry I shouldn't laugh but yeah yeah that was a problem for some. <laughs> actually the, the sun was out on the first afternoon <clears throat> there was a wind um, but that constant wind that constant cold um, and then the occasional strong hailstorm um, all add up to lots of energy being used. Um, mm. So you've got to really sort of be self-managing. Um, 
to get through to each checkpoint as well. Um, yeah, the checkpoints, the checkpoints are quite a distance between between each other, aren't they? They're what twenty, like a marathon between each one. Is it how many on your hundred miler? Uh, four. Four, I think we had. Yes. Um, had one after twenty-four, and then another at about thirty-eight miles. The next one was fifty-five, and then it was a long way, um, about twenty-three, twenty-four miles round to St Ives. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then there's still another 22 miles to the finish. So you, you had to uh, um, stop and prepare each of those checkpoints to make sure that you were ready for the next section. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's quite similar to Lakeland in that, in, in you know, just the self-supported nature of, of the event, but with far less checkpoints, actually. I mean, it is a magical route, though. When you look back at it and look at the map, you know, running right round the the, the the toe of the country like that in in an arc is this incredible line. I mean, one thing that obviously Dan and I were trying to follow the race with Drew on the Friday afternoon. We saw you off, and then we came to Marazion about thirty five to see you come through there, and you really were moving well. And you'd already put about thirty forty minutes into Steve Wyatt, who's won. I think he's won every edition so far. Um, so you'd really just gone off on your own and, and were forging your own path, which I, I was so pleased to see because I thought with the caliber of runner that you are, that you could do, you know, something really special, albeit the temptation to hang with someone who knew the course so well and, you know, would take the navigation doubt out of it was probably, um, I don't know, maybe a consideration, but, but was the racing, was there a racing tactic for you? Was it, was it all about the race as it were? Uh, for me, it was all about seeing what I could do over 100 miles. Um, I think it was only my second actually finish a 100-mile race other than the Ultra Tour de Mont Blanc um, back in 2015. Um, so I wanted to see whether I could run my own race and finish strongly. And if I was going to hang back and just follow the navigation and then try and win on the last 10 miles i wouldn't know what i could do on on that course on that yeah. day yeah um i knew i was coming in starting to get some good form back so i thought i wasn't going to be scared of going off my own i know i can navigate um if i make a few mistakes so be it and if someone catches you and you're ahead of course record time then they've done a good race themselves so <laughs> Yeah, I thought oh, I didn't go off crazily fast. I went comfortable to what I felt was a sort of a moderate hard pace that for that first marathon. And then I clicked into, well, okay, this is my pace that I'm happy to keep going. Mm. Um, and then I guess it becomes much more of a psychological battle with yourself from that point onwards, trying to keep yourself moving over the slow sections uh, where everyone thinks the same that they are moving really slowly um, if mm-hmm. you can just keep moving a little bit less slowly than everyone else um, I think from um, the middle checkpoint at Land's End I think I lost I was consistently about a half hour up on uh, schedule on the course record schedule and then suddenly I lost 15 minutes I think during that section I think I went around in a circle 
couple of dead ends. And but then I once that sorted, I then picked up ten minutes again to to St Ives. So I knew it was back on. Um, yeah. And, um, Anthony, who was doing my support, gave me he said, oh, I think he might be closing a bit, which was enough to give me a little bit of a push on <laughs> yeah. through the sand dunes and towards the finish. It must be you must be quite lonely, no? You were out there. For me, it always seems like it would be. It's even more lonely because the. Uh, I don't know. It's so wild that sea down below you, and it's so dramatic. Did you were you lonely at any point or not, or did this not come into a? No, no. I'm very good at being in my own empty box in in a race, and can just switch off and enjoy what's ahead of me and what's around me. Um, <laughs> I do obviously supper quite a bit and have lots of demons that come into your head that try and <laughs> you know at points you think oh I, I could just lie down here and have a little sleep or <laughs> that yeah. things but yeah to soon switch them out and and, yeah. and push on uh, and sort of give yourself a little talking to to keep you going um, there's always that hard patch um I guess from 50 to 70 miles where you, you know you've still got such a long way to go um, before you can start ticking the miles off towards the finish. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we got up Saturday morning and went to registration and the first thing we heard was, oh, Kim's been going around in circles in the middle of the night around Land's End. Um, and we looked at the results, uh, the tracker rather, and you, yeah, your lead was still... Only, only a huge margin, 30, 40 minutes. But but then over the last 15 miles, you stretched that out. And I think, you, you have to, how much did you win by in the end? It was 90 minutes or two hours or so, wasn't it? You really did close well at the finish. So did you have lots of good running left over that last 20 miles that was in, you know, in many ways the, the most straightforward and runnable section? Uh, yeah, I came into St. Ives. I was a little bit, Oh, I was very relieved to see St. Ives because before then it was, I remember seeing at Cape Cornwall or Pendine Watch it was, uh, the guy goes, you've got 12 miles, six to then ahead, six more to St. Ives. Yeah. And I was chipping along thinking I'm, I'm nearly at St. Ives and then suddenly you see the sign for then ahead and you realise you've still got six miles to go. <laughs> it, it just becomes a little bit of a mind battle. So when you finally get out of there, you're quite relieved. So I purposely, in in the checkpoint, it was changed my shoes and, and took on a bit extra food, took a bit extra time than all my previous checkpoints. Um, and actually, I came out of there really quite good. And as soon as you got moving a little bit, my leg, running legs came back to me. And, and I could really chip along quite happily. Mm. I think so that running running scared a little bit as well mm. it helps motivate you <laughs> i think it's a big thing about being out front where it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy that the you get the wind in your sails you're so desperate to hang on to the lead especially if people give you the oh yeah he's closed a bit on you you really do find depths that i i think it's easy to find depths um that you, you'd be you know harder pressed to find further back in the field uh, it's a bit different for me, the, the depths I found when I saw Dan on the last staircase and he basically swore at me and ran off. Um, <laughs> probably similar <laughs> sensation. Just looking back over your um, p- 
previous race um, history, Kim, you've got a huge range of different mountain races predominantly. H- how did something that was relatively flatter and much less elevation change compare to some of the monsters like TDS, UTMB, Glencoe Skyline, you know, those things? Well, for me, it does make it much more uh, a running race for me. So I specifically did a lot more running over the last two months, specifically tried to stay off some of the local fells and mountains. Uh, so I knew that I was adapted and ready for that the distance. Um, as I say, the train at times was very similar uh, you just don't have those big long ascents or descents that you get in the big mountain races yep. uh, that really sort of damage your your quads and and hamstrings. Uh, so, yeah, it's different in a way, but there are similarities as well. How did you get into the whole ultra scene? Because you and and did it come from a fell background? Because you're still really highly competitive in the fell scene up in the lakes um, and beyond, but. Um, how did you stumble into ultras? It looks like it was 2013 in CCC that you made a debut, but is that correct? And, and what led you there? Was there a running background before that? Uh, yeah, I guess my real first ultra was the Bob Graham round back in, uh, when was it? 2009. So that would be my first introduction to a big, long mountain ultra. But I guess that was... Uh, following in my father's footsteps and and more into the fell side of things. Uh, I guess the ultra thing came more from my adventure racing days. Um, I used to do lots of multi-day expedition races um, at a high level, um, including three world championships in that discipline. So, But the running side was always my strongest element to, to the racing um, and running the shorter fell races. So I guess it was a natural progression to once the adventure races were sort of becoming too cost prohibitive to transfer to running a long way in, in the mountains. Um, and since CCC would be my first big European race, um, which was which is a really ball with a learning curve, that's for sure. Um, have you always been based where you are? It's a fell running background. You said your father was involved in. Has that come from local culture? No, it actually comes from uh, more your way, um, James. I was grew up in Tring. Oh, and really? Grew up running up and down the steep hills of Wendover Woods. No way. Wendover Woods. Oh, my God. And, there you go. That, that's my uh, backyard where I learned the, uh, the running discipline. <laughs> amazing it wasn't until 2008 that i settled in the lake district wow and how many so you did your first bob graham in would you say 2009 yes so how many how many have you done since how many uh uh i've done two i did a winter one it it was in knee deep snow and a lot of um hiking across leg three and wading um but it was a real fun adventure I bet that was horrendous. Who, who did, was that by, by yourself, Kim, or was that with Pacers or another runner? Or No, I did it with some Pacers, um, trying to go as quick as I possibly could on that day. Um, I was doing pretty well on 
one leg one, leg two. They had a little bit of a, a deviation coming off seat sandal, mm. um, and then leg leg three was just slow, uh, mm. just mm. because of the the nature of the snow, and you just couldn't go quick. Mm. Um, and then from from there, it was just get me home. This going up the side of like Bow Fell or onto Scar Fell, you, you know, when there's so much blocky rock and it's deep with snow, does that feel dangerous to you, or is that something that's sort of well within your comfort realm? No, it's definitely uh, it feels well in my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, if you're having the right equipment, having some uh, micro spikes or mini crampons, um, I carried a little uh, ice axe as well. Uh, that side up to Bofell is particularly um, challenging, especially just at the top. There's a nasty slope that if you would slip, you would go a long way. Mm. Uh, then it's, I say, obviously, the bit from Scarfell Pike to Scarfell was always a, a way up which way to go. Mm. Uh, the snow was pretty soft and fresh, so I went up Lord's Rake, um, which is sort of a steep gully, and in the snow, um, it wasn't icy at all at that stage, so it was just a, a way to hike up um, that gully to the top. So that was okay. And some of the descents, it made made it pretty easy because it was quite cushioned coming down you could sort of glissade your way down the mountain yeah and so so how long did it take you to get around your winter bob graham uh 20 and a half hours something something in that region did you have an eye on jim's um, winter record at the time or you was that the ambition for the day if things had gone well sounds like it could have been within reach if conditions hadn't been what they were uh, well, I think it's definitely ingrained in the back of my mind even more, um, knowing the pace I was managing to keep in the snow on the first two legs. Mm. Um, I was sort of managing to keep on that sort of schedule, but then I knew the conditions just weren't right for the day. Uh, when Jim set the record, it was a um, a mild, <laughs> snowless round in in the dark. Yeah, uh, yeah. So. It, and it, but it is quick for the time of year. Yeah. Um, it will take a good how, run. How does it work, a winter record? Is there like a certain specific month or group of months you have to go? or like Yeah, there's, winter? there's two definitions um, that they use. There's uh, the time period from the 1st of December to the end of February uh, as a winter round. And then there's the midwinter round, which is, I think, the weekend before the shortest day to something like the first weekend in January. Mm. So that's yeah. more focused on the shortest days and most dark. Yeah. Uh, but you can have a round in February that's t- more wintry than a round in yeah. midwinter. So it's, it's hard to decide what, who calls what winter. Mm. yeah <laughs> is that something you want to go back to again Kim is that still on the list yeah I think it is still on the list um, it'd probably be next year now if, if, if I do go yeah yeah. just just the recovery from this hundreds um, time will run out really for me to go quick again um, by the end of February and harping back to you know the rest of your um, ultra running career I mean I, I, I still remember Lakeland 50 in 2014 
where you was that a course record at the time 748 uh no i don't think it was um i think it was a few minutes outside of um was it ben's record at that stage Uh, yes yeah yeah Uh, i remember it being a really really hot year and having to have a swim in kentmere river before i got there (laughs) and trying to cool off quite a lot so i think that did slow everyone down that year um, because it was really quite a competitive um field at the front and then you you represented gb at the trail world championships in 2015 20th place um and then a utmb 25th in 2601 and then the following year the highland fling in what was just at the time kind of a mind-blowing race because um, Lee Kemp's course record has stood for so long and it was such a stellar field on the day and you ran in third in the end just behind Damien Hall and Donny Campbell um, at the Highland Fling and did you feel sort of a bit hard done by that you came up third with a course record? No, uh, I felt great because I achieved my goal which was get selection for GB again um, which was third place and to have raced the race um that day my stomach gave in about 40 miles at the end of the lake and it took me a, about a mile and a half um just to get going again and try and tap out to the finish and still finishing a course record of that well, previous time so to be at the start line and run off the front with i think there was four of us running at the front that day and it slowly as Robbie put the hammer down to try and lose us and, and then it was just me and uh, Donny left uh, by and then Donny had the, the strength to push on at the end and mm. win that race in a, a brilliant time mm. um, and, and it was a uh, great to see Damon show up come up onto the and pace it really well and come through and claim second I think that's gave him the confidence just to go on and achieve amazing things um, at UTMB. Yeah, for sure. What's the focus next? What does the rest of 2019 hold in store? Uh, 2019, I'm going to do a few sky races um, around the world. I'm going first to Transvolcania um, in May. Uh, It's a race I did back in 2013 or 2014. And I thought, I've got to go back because it's such a beautiful island um, with brilliant uh, support and it's well 70k 77k and so it's it's a good distance but not one that's going to take it out of you for several months and then I'm where am I going I'm going to do Olympus marathon um so run up Mount Olympus and back down then into Andorra, so I'm going to do a little sky race at the Compradosa and perhaps spend a bit of a week there trying to uh, gain some miles because then I'm going to TDS back out to Chamonix uh, for the summer. Um, so that's my sort of plans to, to take me to, to Chamonix. Yeah, not doing much then? No, no. Yeah. <laughs> and then is TDS the end of your year or have you got anything... Uh... Anything planned after that? Well, there might be some other races after that, but nothing um, firmed up yet. 
Are you going to do much of the uh, British or English fell running champs races, Kim? Are you doing many local fell races to you? Because you, when I've seen results come through, I do keep an eye on stuff. Uh, you, you're still placing incredibly high at a lot of the, you know, the the bigger, more competitive fell races. Yeah, uh, I will be doing a few races, but I'm going to pick and choose um, some. I, the problem is I'm good at doing the fell races and I might spread myself too thinly. I'm trying to reduce uh, from Dan's comments that that I might be doing too many races and have too many focuses. <laughs> Listen, that never, is pot calling kettle, but he, he is um, the worst person for over-racing. <laughs> This is a guy who runs a 220k road race as a training run for a 24-hour. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, but I, I will do a few fell races, um, but I'm not going to make it my agenda to do all the English champs races, all the British champs races. Yeah. Um, and where, so where are you? Where are you happiest when you run, Kim? Like, is it is it at like a kind of low-key fell race or is it like at the, at the UTMB week or or are you like happiest just kind of on your own on like in in the Andorran mountains training like where where would you if you could run anywhere where would it be if I could run anywhere yeah like if yeah if you could go just, one place and I just really enjoy exploring mountains and spending that endless hours on on the trails, looking at the views. If there's no views, just feeling that flow um, that you feel when you're when you're in form and and you're fit. Um, that's that's my ideal place. I also really love the buzz of the excitement of a big race, whether that's uh, an English Champs fell race or a UTMB style start. Um, yeah, that thrill of the race and the competition and not knowing. The sense of adventure, I guess it is, of not knowing the outcome. Yeah, yeah, and I, I like to watch you run because you always you're you're like a uh, uh, Debbie Debbie Mike and so you run with a smile, always run with a smile. You know, it's it's uh, it's wonderful. I love it. Yeah. Well, you run quicker with a smile. It's proven. It is, isn't it? Yeah, Science. I saw some. Yeah. Science. Now tell us. There Tell us about yeah. I, I moaned like for twenty five miles, Kim, at the fifty, which is embarrassing considering you'd already run fifty miles by the time we started. Um, and Dan was like, "Come on, man, come on!" <laughs> and I was just like, "Yeah, not really feeling it, mate." <laughs> and then weirdly, I seen I got really happy after Dan ran off and left me. So I just don't know how to describe that. Tell us about um, Saturday night, Kim, because your wife was running the fifty. Uh, and whilst we were chatting to you and, you know, enjoying the post-race buzz, um, her GPS tracker um, went off into the sea. Um, and you were very calm about it. You were sort of very pragmatic. <laughs> well, I can't do anything if she's in the sea. She's <laughs> in the sea. <laughs> tell us about her race. What happened? Uh, well, I think it's just one of those abnormal tracker things because <laughs> someone had picked a trace up and she was quite happily making her way to the finish line. Um, and thankfully, I did see her cross the finish line. I was there at the finish to um, give her a big hug. And she did it really well, um, coming in fifth lady and, and finishing. Um, she had to, had to walk the last 15 miles, I think, because of a little bit of a shin injury that's, that's, that was plaguing her on the downhills. Um, but 
she's very resilient um, and got to the finish. So it's always happy family when we both finish. <laughs> at least she wasn't <laughs> swimming. Do you yeah. train much together? Is it a joint enterprise at times? Uh, we do do the occasional runs together um, or a hike up around the mountains. Yeah. Uh, but not always. <laughs> and with the coaching, how long have you been? How long have you been doing that? And um, is it is it specifically ultra stuff, or are you working on you know mountain skills you mentioned and everything else in between? Uh, I guess I'm doing a mix of um, mountain skills and guided running, um, and quite a bit of work through mountain run uh, on the oh, guiding yeah. side. Yeah, great. And then um, then I'm doing my online uh, remote coaching. Uh, that's I probably started a year ago now. I set up. I left uh, out of bound um, school, um, that which where I worked for about ten years, and decided this was the time to try and um, develop athletes and um, pass on some of my experience and knowledge to others. So I've got a broad spectrum of runners from those specifically for fell and sort of trail. To those looking at sort of Lakeland 50, Bob Graham seems to be coming to my um, realm of experience, mm. and so that's expanding um, over the year as it has it has done. And then I'm um, sort of as that expands, sort of reduce the gardening work a little bit. Um, so I'm trying to find that happy balance of, of of work and and be able to train and run myself. Yeah, and and you're now you're like a your management on the Great Britain Ultra Trail team, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've had a helping hand in trying to be management and selection for the trail team. Um, I went out last year um, to see the guys um, playing silver in the team, and the ladies just miss out unfortunately for fourth place. Um, I'm not going to be able to make it out this year. Um, oh, really? You're not, you won't be there? At, as I'm down at James's events, supporting my wife run the South Downs Way 100. Yay! Uh, her first 100. Fantastic. Oh, wow, so you won't be there. So what, what, sort of, what sort of team have we got out in the trails? It's in June. Yeah, it's, it's a really exciting time because um, it's only very just an ultra. It's 44 kilometres, I think, or 45 kilometres. Uh, quite technical um, and so it's attracted a wide variety of runners from lots of different backgrounds and disciplines of running um, from the ultra trail to fell running to um, those have been doing road marathons more specifically um, so we've had a had to try and work out who was going to run well on this course or on this day there wasn't a usually there's a there wasn't a qualifying race because that's what's happened before, hasn't there? There's been uh, a qualifying race and then the, the yes. has been picked. Not last uh, two years uh, there wasn't. The previous couple years there was before. Um, I think there's always pros and cons of it that sometimes they don't get the best runners on the trail um selections that yeah. that's that in the top three um there might be the right ones for the race in the championship it's 
have uh, I'm in two minds because I quite like I've benefited from running uh, a trail champ uh, selection race and and ended up in the top three and got in there and and that was a real honour to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also the, the timing of it trying to get a selection race in the UK when you've got uh, a race it, well it has been like in May June that's appropriate for the race yeah, yeah. so yeah. a, a big complaint of the hobble for the last year's short trail race was that it nowhere near replicated in terms that it was wasn't marked and it didn't have the elevation change that the actual championship did yeah so the result was we didn't actually perform as well as we perhaps could have done. Um, I totally yeah. agree with that. I think that's really astute. And I think you guys made some brave, but some really smart choices in the selections this year. I mean, Carl Bell is a name that sticks out. I mean, he, he doesn't have any ultra experience at all, right? But his ability on the fell um, over rough stuff and the shorter distance is unparalleled i mean he's running at the top of the sport and he is so it, i'm really excited to see what someone like him can deliver but he wouldn't have been um you know traditionally uh, you know even in the mix i suppose i think it's fantastic that someone like you is sitting on that committee and bringing a um you know a more modern approach to it dare i say it um and just aware of a wider scene that's appropriate to the race in question I think it's really astute, and you're absolutely right. I mean, picking a qualifier that's sort of arbitrary in a way is so different to a 24-hour race. It's so interpretive, so down to the day and the specifics of that event. It's just, you know, it's nothing like a timed or a fixed distance format. Um, I'm not always sure a qualifier works, and then asking people to peak twice in a relatively short period of time is, I think, asking too much. And I think athletes can burn themselves out that way. There's also that element of, uh, as a runner, I want to go and run the big races around the world or and challenge myself against the best competition um, on a global scale. And so that comes to that, how many of those races can I do well in, in a year? Mm. So mm-hmm. if you're then having to add in uh, a local selection race and peak for that, that's one less of the big races that anything that yes. you can run. So actually having a, a selection panel to look at all those races and try and put everyone into that multiple patch and how they compare against a global field gives you more realistic of how they might perform in a global field on the world stage. Yeah, um, totally. I totally agree with that. I think, you, you know, it, it, how do you compare your performance at TDS against um, Damien's performance at UTMB against Carl's performance at the Borodell Fell race again? I mean, you're talking about practically different sports in all cases, uh, boiling down to one event which is usually quite specific and this year as you've already alluded to it's way more specific than normal 45k with a huge amount of elevation change yeah and we stand a good chance yeah we've got a good team we do we do have a really good team um what i'm really enjoying is that uh, athletes want to run for gb um and are prioritizing it as a, a key event in their year um, I know some of the other teams really struggle to get some of their key athletes to turn up. Um, 
So it's uh, it's good to see that we are attracting and getting those guys to want to run for our country. Yeah. Yeah, how does it, I mean, that event, so like you say, it's, it's basically a marathon, isn't it? How How is that different? Last year, there was the World Marathon Championships. How is that different to the World Marathon Championships? Well, the World Long um, Mountain Running Championships. Yeah, yeah that's it is, what it is. Sorry, yeah, yeah. It is that 35 to 40k distance. Um, <laughs> on the good note is that I think from 2021, they are coming together into one championship oh wow okay so there is in the next couple of years of them sort of creating the different distances and levels um so there will be i think more of a specific ultra distance a marathon distance and then the shorts up and down mm. the uphill all within that one event mm. yeah which, oh, which makes sense Yes, absolutely. And the big question, of course, we have to ask him is uh, when do you feel that you, you, you're going to line up at your first 24-hour event? <laughs> we always ask that. It's our never say never, but it's not yeah. in the future. <laughs> never say never, though. The, the door is slightly ajar, I feel. Maybe it's September time. There's some new event happening in um, Ashford, is it? Yeah, he's already seen it. <laughs> yeah, listen, I would be remiss if I wasn't to say that your name appeared on our target list, who I've yet to contact. But, you know, I appreciate you've got a somewhat busy year and the weekend after, um, you, you know, a major event in the ultra running calendar. I, I know I'm not likely to see a super competitive field, but I just this year is sort of a test event on the basis that I, hopefully will get people thinking longer term about, you know, trying to trying to post a 100-mile PR. I, I don't know if I'm alone in this, but I've always felt that the 100-mile distance is special as a special one and going for your sort of best time at that event is something that we've not really done here in the UK but in the US you've you've had the best of the best all lining up to try and run fast hundreds even though they're special you know specialism might be mountain events so I've yeah, it'd be really interesting to see over the you know this year, but also years to come, who might want to line up at that one um, and try and post a, a really quick one. If you fancy yeah. it, just let us know. And obviously, with Wendover in your background, I mean, it's just obviously a matter of time before you come down and try. try yeah. It's just a matter of time before I'm running around Wendover Woods again. Again, over yeah. and over again. Ten times. Again. Maybe not ten times. <laughs> it is a fun loop i mean you know as well as i do that woods is not a very big area but i think we've squeezed every ounce of uh of joy from the trail in the woods um i love that race uh, you don't want to be on the trail i think you want to be going up some of those steep bits off the trail that you're yeah. using your hands and feet and yeah. and scrambling yeah. up them i think that's what you should be doing yeah that's what yeah. james has been doing no with yeah, your yeah. That's uh, regular sunday night for me, is head over to the woods after the kids go to bed and just fuck around <laughs> on the trail. I've got the um, the bike park. The Aston Hill bike park is just the other side of the woods as well. And I recently discovered an area in there which is even steeper than anything in the woods. And you just oh, scrub- wow. 
you're just scrabbling around holding on to trees and bits of chalk and trying to climb up a mountain bike descent course um it is definitely entertaining um, but yeah, so that's something actually we talked about when it came after the race. So James is Barkley training. Uh, no, am I allowed to say it? Yeah. Well, considering you announced it on the last oh, podcast, God. I think so. Okay, we're allowed to say it. So James is, but you've got what two months? Two months till kickoff, yeah. But we, and me and James were talking actually after we spoke to you. But I reckon it's right up your street, yeah. The Barkley Marathon. Oh, skin, you can huh? destroy that. Come on, come oh, on. It's, it's definitely on my radar. Um, yeah. I think it is right up my street. That's that multi-day adventures going up and down steep slopes through brambles and navigating. It really ticks all my boxes. Yeah. yeah. Um, James, just, James is just to show you how to apply for it. Yeah? Is it still like a secret? You can have my spot, Kim. I think if you, <laughs> <laughs> if you fancy it. I uh, do I think really. It work like that, though. Yeah, with your adventure racing background as well, I do think that you've got the, all of the skills in abundance that are clearly required for this kind of event. Um, and I do think the arc is kind of a good test, not in exactly the same vein, but similar kind of vein. Um, no, lots of night time, quite a bit of misery, tough conditions. Bit, bit. I've, we described that Zena section, Kim, as awkward. We, we we landed on awkward instead of technical, but awkward. Um, yeah, it was a great weekend, though, the arc, right? Is it something you'd recommend to others? I would highly recommend it to others. I think the um, mud crew organisation was, was really good. Um, and the aid stations are, you know, wide, uh, wide apart, but when you are in them, you're really well looked after. Yeah. Um, it's a really good hot food and looked after treated well and they sort of pack a lot of people back out onto the trail uh, i read a story about someone having a bit of trail blindness he was in there for about an hour getting fed up and warm and then he came out and finished sub 30 um which was his goal and to get, achieve his goal buckle was amazing so uh, it's a great event and i would highly recommend for people to go and try it yeah, here, here. Here, here. I would thoroughly agree. And if you're a bit scared of the 100, then the 50 is an, an easy way to step into it because, and I presume it will grow, um, you know, in terms of starting numbers. This year was a kind of a test event. And the benefit of the 50 is you're starting in the morning. So actually you're covering the, the tougher section at, uh, in daytime, which... Um, it's a prettier section as well, isn't it? The nicer area to look at. Oh, really was. Yeah, and Dan did comment at times that we hadn't really looked up from, um, you know, the trail to, to sort of admire the scenery. But then when we finished, the first thing he, he said to me, he was very excited. He'd seen some seals frolicking. Yeah. He used the word frolicking in the bay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so at least he, you know, he got his well, fill of wildlife. I'd I didn't tell you about my wildlife encounter. What happened? So just, just, I think it must have been before Cape Cornwall, around that area. I was running along a very narrow part of trail, and then I suddenly noticed uh, a badger warren. And then about 10 metres later, I'm star jumping out of the way of a badger that's been startled as it's running back towards its warren along that very short, <laughs> that narrow bit of trail. Um, <laughs> So I was nearly taken out by a badger in the middle of the night. Uh, <laughs> if, 
if I had been any later, I would have thought I would have been a sleep monster, but it, it really did happen. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever been attacked by a badger? I, one, I came across one in Wendover the other night, and I chased it for about a mile. It just wouldn't you get out of my way. You chased a badger? Yes, big, fat, you white bottom that. shaking around in front of me. I was like, just get off the trail, and I'll run past you. But it just wanted to be chased. It was a bit There's strange. There's laws against that sort of thing. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I think this one would have had a scrap with me if I'd uh, stayed in his way. <laughs> they're big, aren't they, badgers? Yeah, you Some forget, can be. Yeah. They're like the size of what, polar bears, aren't they? The ones in this country aren't anywhere as bad as the ones in Africa, where the honey badgers, and they, they will be pretty yes. aggressive and attack you. Yeah. They're mental, right? They'll just fight anything. They'll just put their hand in a nest of wasps just for a laugh, those honey badgers. Yeah, they do, I think. Crazy. <laughs> Did you hear that story about that bloke in America who killed a lion? Is that is that even <laughs> true? Hands. Yeah. I felt a bit sad reading that, honestly. You should have wrestled that badger to the ground. <laughs> it started punching it. <laughs> Terrible. Maybe this yeah. should be a feature on the show, best wildlife experience. Um, yeah. You know, it's definitely going to add to things. Yeah. Who win? I think my frolic, my frolicking seals beats. Uh, beats the Kim way you used the word badger. frolicking, it was just a bit weird. It was a bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kim, congratulations once again. Massive, massive win, um, and thoroughly deserved. I think even more so because you came down, um, having never seen a course before. Just, just pulled the map out and you know just did the job stayed focused ran a really really solid race finished strong um really impressive and i think i without with not disrespecting those that have come before because steve Wyatt, and paul maskell duncan oaks previous winners they're superb runners they're all local guys um and they, they all do know the course so to see an international athlete come down and you know, just give it a go on an unmarked course, um, which probably does put quite a few other potentially quick runners off, I would think. Um, really just showed what's possible. Um, so, yeah, congrats to you for a superb race and a great... As you say, you've kind of hit this vein of form now. And it must must make you excited for the rest of this year, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it does. Hopefully I can uh, carry on this, this form and this training. Um without injury and just keep that momentum going that that everyone wants that consistency to make blocks and um be able to race and en- enjoy the races cool, cool man. keep smiling kim oh, i will keep do smiling. Yeah. yeah keep keep putting the moody james to shame and um <laughs> yeah thanks so much for your time tonight all the best for the rest of this year and hopefully catch up with you soon yeah Maybe see you in the summer. I hope so. Yeah. Cheers, Kim. See you later, man. Yes, bye. 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 bye.